0: I'm really excited about our new coaching offers, which Mm -hmm. we've kind of talked about on the podcast, but basically we're starting to offer for a whole bunch of different topics that Mm -hmm. people can get one coaching session or just like a package of a few coaching sessions to really kind of like tackle that thing and walk away with what they're looking for. I, I think a lot of people are just feeling overwhelmed and burnout on commitments and memberships and all this stuff. And so we're seeing a need for people to be able to get those bite size, right? But it got me, this isn't like a new realization, but painfully I've been realizing since starting a business that like I'm a very holistic person Mm -hmm. and not in the way that word is typically used. Like I'm not necessarily, I'm not that (laughs) into like, what I mean is I tend to approach things of in, in terms of, I want to get to the root cause. I want to solve the whole thing, not a piece (laughs) of it. I don't like surface level hacks. They drive me crazy. Right. I don't like diets. I don't like short term, like let's go do paleo 30 day, whole whole uh, 30.
1: Right. Because then you're like, what after the 30? Because after that, right.
0: I'm back to square one again. I'm not right. judging people who do. I know mm. I have close friends who who really benefit from those kind of pops of energy. Yep. I just, I don't like those kind of approaches. I just in in my life want to do the holistic... Holistically,
1: how solve. can I like stay in shape or lose weight? I think it's the or... engineer mindset.
0: I yeah. realize as I meet other people who come from the engineering background, it's like you're kind of... It's ingrained in you to like, no, get to the root, get to the bottom of it. Like what is actually causing all the problems and solve that so the whole thing is solved sustainably. Yeah. Problem is this doesn't work in the real world. <laughs> it's Tell great if you design Fair. bridges. I hope you approach it that way. Mm-hmm. But for all of us, it just...
1: Well, what part do you not feel like doesn't work in the?
0: Well, for me, coaching is like if I'm going to do coaching, I'm all in. I'm doing like two years of coaching, Mm -hmm. the most in-depth, all-encompassing way, Mm -hmm. so I can truly solve the root cause problem and it's forever changed. Right. But most people don't like that approach. That's too cumbersome. Too long. Too Too long. long. I just want like a quick something and yeah. Um, and okay, there's plenty of things I'm like that too. I mean, I love a good unhealthy snack, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, point is, um, we're making this shift partly because it takes me forever to, you know, get over my stubbornness of like, <laughs> Hey, does.
1: you're like, no,
0: <laughs> one coaching session is not yeah. going to solve your life, but it can right. solve a lot, especially with us. Like we're very good at what we do. And so we can get you a result really quick. Mm-hmm. It's not going to solve the root cause most of the time. Cause that's habit formation. That's That's rewiring mindsets and habits and Mm long-standing narratives. And Mm -hmm. that's why like coaching long-term really works. Um, But there's a lot to gain from like a Mm -hmm. short pop.
1: Yeah. Like how many times have someone come to me before and said, I just need one session to figure out what I'm doing wrong with an interviewing process. And I've been able to be like, there it is. I've unlocked the... And they come back and say... I landed yeah. because that, that was actually the problem. Yeah. So there are topics like that. Or I am the kind of person who c- continually avoids having difficult conversations. Those are, okay, so let's first talk a little bit about why. Yeah. And then second, let me give you a framework to yep. start practicing. Those are perfect examples of you don't necessarily have to meet 20,000 times. You just have to, but but you do have to walk away and start trying to have those difficult conversations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, or getting like feedback. I want somebody to like, I want to bounce mm-hmm. this thought or this idea or this yeah. plan off somebody and get their feedback in a place where I know I, I, I trust their opinion or their feedback, or even to your point about a framework, there's still that you can learn a lot of things online. <laughs> you can go get a framework online, but then actually implementing it is where people get stuck and so it's helpful to talk it through with someone figure Mm -hmm. out where to start figure out where your hang-up is or sometimes my favorite is a lot of people just love the space on your calendar forces you to learn the framework yeah versus like me i think i have 89 tabs open in my safari browser on my phone because it's like stuff i was like "Ooh, that's a good Uh, article and i open it and never (laughs) even read it
1: (laughs) oh i didn't know that about you really Yes. oh constant It's time for a coaching shout-out. Can we do this one with an accent, please?
0: (laughs) Shout-out to Dana today. And Dana was coaching somebody who was trying to get a new job, trying to um, get a raise, kind of increase their income out of it. This is basically she got him. It was a win. She she helped him land a new job that paid twice as much as before. Mm -hmm. And Dana is awesome at this. I, I actually think about this all the time, maybe because I'm the business owner. I'm like, we need to market this. Like, this is actually what sells. Instead, we market all the fluffy stuff. Like, find more fulfillment. Right, right. No, we just need to market. Like, we will Pay help raise, you double right. your salary. <laughs> Done. People are buying it. But Dana really is so she good at that. will help
1: you have the confidence and the words. Yeah. And the approach to get that—it sounds so good. made up. It's like yeah. no,
0: that doesn't happen. Like yeah. mm-hmm. Dana makes it happen. Yeah, she does. Um, so shout out to Dana and to that person because yeah. I think um, a big stuck point for this person was that they—they uh, they actually needed a, an entirely different job. Mm-hmm. But that can be a hurdle to know how to get there.
1: Yep. All right, we love to have personality conversations, and sometimes it's a gripe, sometimes it's a myth. This one's a little bit about a myth, all right? So in the Myers-Briggs, you and I are both, this is, I'm really going to throw you under the bus okay. here. You ready for it? I'm in. Okay, so we're both, P's Myers Briggs, which stands for the Perceiver. Mm-hmm. Which, in general, if you were to describe a Perceiver, they're a little bit more. I would say they like to use pencil for their calendar versus a pen. So everything's like got options. So they're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 I can erase that and change it at any moment. Yeah, they like the calendar. That's see, they like the calendar, but they really like to like uh, have options. They're a little bit more not not as stuck to their ways and routines, right? And, Versus like the that. other
0: letter there, the J likes things nailed down, yeah. and defined.
1: That's right. They're like yeah. decisions made, and we like more options, right? But I think the the, the funny <laughs> thing about you and I that is so different, and also this is why you should never typecast anyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> is I'm, but I'm going to do it to I'm you gonna, now, Steve. I'm <laughs> actually here for it. This is I love is, this stuff, and
1: you're working on it constantly, and you're doing. So good. <laughs> don't just throw me on is that you don't you struggle thinking through time the actual timeline of a day. Oh the timeline of a day. I'm terrible at it. But I'm a pee and I'm constantly thinking about the timeline. So I think that's just hysterical that we're both peas. Yeah. And like we had this experience the other day where we were meeting together <laughs> and you knew I had to be somewhere else across town. And I was like, you were so impressed that I was like not only on it, talked about it verbally a few times throughout that day, but I was like early you're like i would have stayed longer yeah you would have pushed it to the limit
0: you were like getting ready to leave like two hours in advance i'm like where are you going and it was the classic and then we did kind of joke about it because i don't remember the time let's say your meeting started at two o'clock yeah i was like my gosh it's 12 you've got two hours right
1: i was like no, you can leave at 159
0: right (laughs) that's actually how my brain on its own works is like Well, it's at two o'clock, so I'll leave at 159. Right. Obviously I know that's you not right. Do but that's that. how my brain works. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right. So we're both peace, but I think a lot about time. You do not.
0: Yeah. I just
1: wanted to throw that out there. But I will tell the world your little hack that you're working on <laughs> as you you've really worked on this with your specifically with your admin mm-hmm. that she is helping you vibe putting timelines in there for you oh yeah so it's like, leave
0: now to r- get there on she time she puts on
1: your calendar <laughs> drive times or yeah. prep times and things like that the things that your brain is not naturally thinking
0: through oh now you have me wanting to go on so many j versus p things yeah
1: ah. well you can't because this is only about me throwing you under the bus yeah and so i did it but i'm super proud of how much progress you've made but i just think it's hysterical <laughs> the bottom line yeah, is that we're um, both peas and i think about timeline and you don't there you go that's it
0: we're chatting today with Jeff Atfell, and he is based in Southern California. He's originally from Chicago, so we were fist bumping virtually about Midwest life. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the founder now of Office Intelligence. But as most of our guests, he had a windy, nonlinear career path. Yes,
1: or why would we be talking to him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But he started, uh, really for most of his career, he was a lawyer. yeah, And he was... Even um, an in-house general counsel, so kind of top of the food chain as um, in in a legal role within Mm -hmm. a big company. And then he shifted completely Mm -hmm. and he's even started his own business now for Mm -hmm. a number of different reasons.
1: Yeah, I, I think our listeners are going to love hearing his story. I love that when they recognize in their family that some values had changed, that they reassessed and made some decisions based off of that. And also, I, I think that it's really helpful as he shares about how he reflects back around some specific skill sets and how to bring them back into the season of life where he's at right now.
0: It's so good. I know. It's one of these interviews where we hit on so many different themes that are typical for greenhouse But like that happened in his real life and his story, it's almost like you really got to listen to the interview and maybe pause a few times because he he experienced so many of those different things, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, trying to move up in a role uh, within a company, Mm -hmm. trying to change companies, trying to like find his sweet spot. And Mm -hmm. what is he good at? What does he love to do? Making big shifts. But then, like you mentioned, a lot of it, if you pay attention closely, was more about personal values, family core values, things that they wanted their life to be like, Mm -hmm. and the changes kind of helping to make that true. Yep. Again, this is Jeff Apfel, founder of Office Intelligence.
2: I graduated with a a degree in business Mm -hmm. um, and a minor in German, which hasn't really gotten me (laughs) that much. But um, I interestingly or maybe not, I I studied um, entrepreneurship uh, as as sort of a focus within my undergraduate uh, studies. And after graduation, somehow wound up as a software developer. I got uh, admitted to um, a program at a very large, at that time, it was a, a Dutch bank that had acquired a very large bank in Chicago, which is where I'm originally from, and this new program was intended to teach uh people's you know recent grads who aren't technical right mm-hmm. didn't graduate with a degree in you know software engineering or anything like that or network architecture but to teach them how to code okay uh and so i don't know what really drew me to that program i had some other uh you know job offers at the time mostly in tech, but more of a a sort of business or marketing focus. And But anyway, I thought it would be great to start accumulating some of these skills that I never really dreamed I would um, either want to learn or should learn, anything like that. So got admitted to this program. uh, And so I was a software developer after a three-month sort of intense training program. and got placed into a group within this bank uh, to do a, a little less on the coding side. It was more like QA, um, some architecture,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, it, it was okay, but it was time to kind of take a, a leap somewhere else. I wasn't really thrilled with working uh, for a large bank, um, just it was, it was really uh, structured as you can imagine. Um, and then moved over to work for a consulting firm uh did some uh development work there, and kind of just got bored with it yeah and it was probably not because you know the subject matter itself bored me it's that I wasn't getting the kind of direction that i i I thought I needed um but I started thinking about you know. Longer term, what like what do I want my career to be? Can I really see myself as a software developer, or working as a developer, you know, QA, you know, specialist, something like that? Didn't really see that. Uh, it didn't really spark my interest uh, as much as it would, you know, should have. Uh, so I decided to go to law school. Um, I was, I was deciding actually between getting an MBA and going to law school mm-hmm. for reasons I won't bore you with. I chose a law school path, mm-hmm. but always thinking that, uh, after I got my law degree and, you know, pass a bar exam, I'd, I'd work in the house for a company, um, mm. because that's, I, I have a, you know, obviously I have that business degree, but I also come from a family of, of entrepreneurs. My dad and my grandfather had their own business. Uh, my grandparents on um, my mom's side had their own businesses, so it's kind of like in my blood. Uh, I, I wanted to work in business, not mm-hmm. necessarily as an entrepreneur, but in business. Um, and I figured I would add a lot of value if I also had a law degree and had some some legal. So training. you didn't
1: you didn't intend to be the lawyer? That was not why.
2: Well, so yeah, so as as you work. When you're an in-house attorney, so you're a licensed attorney, you have one client and that's the company you work for. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what, re- what really intrigued me was as an in-house lawyer, you have the front, you have a front seat to every function within a business, whether it's, you know, finance, product, marketing, HR, like you name it, you're involved at, at every step of the way to some degree or another in all these different functions. And so that to me was really intriguing. Um, And so, yeah, anyway, so I went to law school, Mm -hmm. graduated, uh, and then was fortunate enough to know somebody, uh, this is back in the early 2000s, I'm dating myself a long time ago. Uh, I was fortunate to know somebody who worked for a, a tech business Mm-hmm. Um, at that time owned by a company uh called Interactive Corporation IC. And I was able to get my foot in the door uh as you know, the like the most junior type of a person in the legal department that that you can be. Mm-hmm. Um and and that started my career as an in-house attorney. And so um for the bulk of of my overall career over two decades, I worked for various companies as an in-house attorney. So sort of being uh, really what I viewed myself as as a partner to the business and helping them, you know, helping guide them, not just from a legal perspective, but also with business strategy. And and that's one of the benefits of working inside of a company, rather than let's say having your law firm. And yes, of course you provide legal advice, but you don't really get involved in business strategy so much when you're, you know, uh, external counsel. But when yeah. you're inside, when when you're inside counsel in house counsel, your job is to know the business backwards mm-hmm. and forwards so that you can provide that legal advice, but also business strategy counsel. Okay. Uh, And so, yeah, I worked for uh, a variety of companies, anywhere from startup businesses where I was like the 23rd or 24th employee, um, all the way to the other end of the spectrum working for Accenture, uh, which used to be Anderson Consulting way back when. Uh, ironically, I actually worked for Anderson after that oh. <laughs> I was you about. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, for, uh, for a little bit. Uh, so I made full circle coming back this time as, as a lawyer was there for about six years at, uh, Accenture at that time when I was hired. Uh, there were already, let's say 150,000 employees worldwide. By the time I left, uh, it was roughly six years later. I think there were over 400,000 employees. So, you know, you're kind of really siloed, but it, it was a great company to work for. I'm sure it still is because they really encourage you as an employee to kind of roam, roam around in terms of your career path within the firm. There's mm-hmm. so much that you could do. Uh, and so you can actually be entrepreneurial inside a large organization like that if they if they encourage that type of Uh, movement and you know not just being siloed yeah Uh, yeah i i do
0: find that's um why a lot of people who have the windy career path um ended up in somewhere totally different and i have a similar thing because they were in a big company where it was normal to move around and try different things whereas maybe um like my grandparents for example would be really confused how i got from a to q and it's like well because within one company, like a, l- a lot of different opportunities came up that I wasn't planning for, but, but was that part of what brought you to where you're at now? Or I guess I didn't mean to cut you off. How, yeah, tell yeah, the other I part of the story.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I ended up leaving Accenture, um, because I had an opportunity uh, to become general counsel for a well-funded startup business called Albert out here in Southern California, uh, and it was my first opportunity to to be a GC and so general counsel, you're just you're the lead attorney for an organization, and yeah, I couldn't really pass up that that opportunity. So started um, over there at Albert. They had just closed their Series A raise. Um. And so I was there for um, their Series B and Series C raise. So the Series B was uh, about $50 million led by Capital G, which is Google's uh, venture firm. And the $100 million round, the Series C was led by General Atlantic, a very large uh, VC. And so think of that, that experience that I had, and I was there for about two and a half years Um you know, prior to that, I was focusing predominantly on transactional matters. So you know every contract you can imagine, every type of contract you can imagine, you know, employment, work, um, uh, you know and any area you can imagine within a corporate function, I, I had you know some kind of um, exposure to uh, some more more than others. But as a general counsel for, Especially a, a well-funded startup tech business. Now all of a sudden I'm leading hmm. the that that function. I'm not just a part of it, I'm leading it. Uh, and so I had never really been involved in uh capital raises before. I mean, maybe tangentially, but not directly, and not helping to lead those raises. So, but this is, this is what I wanted. This was sort of the pinnacle of of my career path, right? Uh, As an in-house lawyer, this is what you want. You want to become general counsel at some point in your Mm -hmm. life. Um, So very fortunate to have had that opportunity. Um, But it did come to, uh, it it got to a point where, you know, my my wife also works full time in a a fairly, you know, stressful uh, position. She leads a team. She works in the uh, institutional asset management space, and mm. it just got to a point where you know, with three kids, you know, after after kind of uh, outsourcing childcare, for lack yeah. of a better term, for for so many years, and seeing you know our kids get older, my daughters uh, were were taking her to college next next week. Uh, you know, it got to the point where one of us really had to kind of pull back from the full time thing, uh, and. You know, for reasons I won't bore you with, we decided that it was best for me to to pull back from full time work. Uh, this was already a couple years ago, and so, uh, yeah, all of a sudden I'm I'm a stay at home dad and loving it and helping you know provide that uh, parental guidance on a day to day basis uh, most of the day, right? Um, to to our kids, and um, yet I I always felt this sort of burning desire to start a business. Hmm. I've been involved with some startup businesses in the past, um, as a partner, uh, this time I figured, Hey, I do have some, some additional hours, uh, during the day, um, depending on the day yeah. uh, on my hands. Like what, why don't I, you know, pursue this, uh, pursue a, an opportunity, uh, to start my own business. And I was thinking, all right, well, one thing that I know is missing from, uh, from a, a lot of, uh, sort of the, 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 educational path is practical skills and, and the proper mindset for a successful career. And as, as an attorney, you know, obviously I've been through law school, Uh, It didn't take me long to figure out that you really don't learn that much in law school. And yes, that's after three years and over $100,000 of law school loans. Uh, And in particular, you take one full year of contracts in law school, and it has nothing to do with the practical real world. Like you don't learn practical skills, how to read Mm -hmm. contracts, understand them, draft them, negotiate them, translate them for the business folks. And so I thought, you know what? Why don't I develop a couple courses that are geared towards law school graduates so they can be better prepared for their real world once they start working, either at a Mm. law firm or, and it doesn't matter what you do, almost every single uh, practice area in law is touching contracts, whether you're a trial attorney or a transactional attorney like me. Everything has to do with a contract in some sense or another. So that was the idea originally, but then I started thinking, well, it's kind of a small uh, audience, relatively speaking, right? Like maybe every year there are about 30,000 or so people graduating from law school. It sounds like a lot, but for you know, generating, generating or creating a business that's like a, a one to many model where you're creating courses that are that it's not like one on one coaching, for example, it's just a one to many uh, model. Um, I decided maybe I'd table that, uh, that idea, but I still like the idea of, of, developing courses because I have, you know, over 20 years of experience navigating my way from, you know, an, a lowly entry-level role to uh, to the C-suite, right? Um, and so I could package this this experience that I have, sure. uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that would be tremendously helpful not just to New lawyers, but to really anybody, any young adult, whether they're, you know, a college graduate or a college student, or maybe that they're not going to college. They're just going straight into the workforce. But I could package this sort of wisdom that I've accumulated over the years for people in, in these concise courses so that they can at least get a head start. Right. And, and not just on these skills. Uh, one of them that I uh, emphasize quite a bit is communicating effectively at work, uh, but also with the, as I said earlier, just the right mindset to, so they can help themselves navigate their way, um, hopefully in a shorter time frame than it took me yeah. uh, to reach that that uh, sort of the pinnacle of of my chosen career path. Um, And, and that, that sort of spawned office intelligence.
0: That's so cool. I mean, my experience was so similar to yours in engineering school where I, I remember having this fear kind of my last few weeks of college. And I I was looking around, like, does anyone else worry that they're going to ask me to design a bridge? And I still have no (laughs) idea how to design a bridge. Like they're gonna, you know, and we're at these, we're at these career fairs where it's like Boeing and Google and Apple and Facebook interviewing us. And I'm like... If they asked me to design a plane I don't know anything about that and I'm graduating <laughs> you know I mean? it was like yeah, this very wow. almost um naive view of it for sure but I think I was also just being like incredibly like boots on the ground practical like I actually don't know how to do anything in this job yet mm-hmm. and and then you get to work you know your first job your first day and realize well it take longer than a day but realize like no it's actually what I do all day is learn how to set Meetings, learn how to run meetings, learn how to manage projects, learn how to have relationships in the workplace, learn how to like influence people or present something. It had nothing to do with like the subject matter of school. Of course, those things play matter and play into it. But but that like blew my mind and mm-hmm. i remember kind of looking around like is anyone else thinking this is crazy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly there was more than just me thinking it at least there was also you you're the only other one i'm like is <laughs> anyone else thinking this is crazy? Uh, yeah. it is kind yeah. of a like almost a scary thought but but yeah no one talks about it so it's a bit of this like just hush hush just kind of like
2: and it, that amazes me. That amazes like, me. College, generally speaking, I know that there are exceptions, obviously. There, yeah. There's an exception to every rule. But as a general rule, college still doesn't teach these fundamental, you can call them soft skills, whatever it is. I mean, I think that, that it, there are more than just soft skills that are that are core to being successful in in an organization. But they still don't emphasize it. Everything is still theoretical to a large degree you have this sort of like amorphous um you know blob of a major right and you're taking these classes they they don't really dig in deep in the subject matter as it is but you know you're not getting the type of instruction that at least on day 1 again you have a head start right you you know how to deal with certain personalities i mean we've all been there right uh all the you know the wide spectrum of personalities that you're going to be forced to work with it's not an option this is you know your company i I say this uh uh, oftentimes Mm -hmm. your company is now your family right for as long as you're there you can pick and choose your friends but not your family just like you generally speaking can't choose who you work with and, and who you work for so you have to learn how to interact with those people in a way that's going to be not just productive for the company but for yourself and your growth.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why doesn't college focus on that? I mean that that should be that's an entire semester of like four courses or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Four or five courses. Okay, but as as much as we could go down that path forever. <laughs> back up for a sec though. Like what were you experiencing when you decided to shift out of this long successful career in law? I mean, I hear the part about deciding, okay, one of us as parents needs to step it back. But like, yeah. what was that like for you? To That's a huge shift. That's a huge decision.
2: It, yeah, it was. And we're fortunate enough to even have the opportunity to make that decision, right? Where we could rely on just one income, uh, not, not two especially living in coastal California. Like, I that's know. a daunting Very, uh, decision. Yeah. Yeah. And it, in all honesty, uh, it it wasn't a difficult decision to make. I wish we would have been in a position much sooner <clears throat> to, to make this decision. But, um, you know, the fact is, we, we just weren't financially uh, in a position to make this decision uh, sooner. Um, so, yeah, this was really... It, it, I mean, just to to provide a little more uh, context, um, our youngest son uh, really needed some additional uh, help, and it it wasn't something that we were going to outsource or try to outsource, right? I mean, it's uh, a parent that provides the best guidance for for their child. Um, And so, uh, it became more and more apparent uh, over the years that he needed more of our support. uh, And so... Uh, yeah, finally we, we decided, okay, well, one of us is going to let go of the full-time, you know, career. And, um, and it was me, Mm -hmm. uh, to to do that. Was that
0: like, was that a series of conversations? Was that more, uh, short-term decision? How did that, how did that decision play out for you guys? Uh,
2: it, it wasn't, um, it was pretty clear, Like, we we knew that the decision had to be made. It was really a a question of who who was going to let go of the Mm full-time gig. So you you
0: guys just rock, paper, scissors one day? uh,
2: No, we we made the decision primarily based on a number of factors, uh, one of which is... uh, stability. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, who has the more stable job? Now, we all know there is really no such thing as stability, right? right? Uh, And there there are very few, if any, companies that are really loyal to their employees such that they'll never let them go. I mean, that that doesn't happen, uh, right? So, um, however, uh, all things considered, uh, we did feel that my wife's uh, job was more stable. She was, uh, you know, she's been at the same firm for uh, a very long time, I mean, 15, 17 years, something like that. And here, here I was uh, as general counsel, but for a startup that's still trying to, you know, prove itself in, in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the reality of the situation is, you uh, Despite raising a tremendous amount of money, uh, the company burns through it pretty darn fast, uh, particularly with uh, marketing expenses. Um, And so, yeah, it was just kind of a practical uh, decision uh, at the end of the day.
1: Mm -hmm. How long after you made that decision and you were just so you were a stay-at-home dad, when did you realize I'd like to add something else to this? Like, I would like to... Bring in this entrepreneurial piece now.
2: It was probably a few weeks after I left my job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so pretty quickly your your brain started stirring around. I do have these like windows of time in a day that I could do something.
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, look, I I would I would encourage nearly every person who's working. Um, you know, in some kind of, uh, a, you know, professional role to become an entrepreneur mm-hmm. um, for, for many reasons. And there are different forms of beco- uh, of being an entrepreneur, right? I alluded to this earlier. You can, you can actually be very entrepreneurial inside a company if the company is going to give you the support. Uh, you can, let's say, if you have a good argument to create a new product, for example— you may get support, and so that way you're not putting your neck on the line. At least with your own pocketbook, you're actually putting, uh, you know, the company's wallet on, on the line. So there, there are a lot of advantages to to going that route. And I actually had opportunities to do that, um, you know, inside uh, a couple of different uh, companies that I worked for. Obviously, the, when we think of entrepreneurship, we think of not so much that, but hey, you know, hanging your own shingle uh you know at at some kind of a, a shop or an office um and and going about it on your own taking that personal mm. risk uh not just financially but also from a reputational perspective you are putting your reputation on the line when you start your own business um and so mm. you know for me while i do love the um uh the work that i did as a general counsel um i I didn't really see myself wanting to focus on on that as as a new business, right? Mm -hmm. So sort of being, let's say, an outside counsel to startup businesses. Um, That would definitely fit within uh, my sort of experience. Um, But I wanted, I I really enjoy teaching. I've always enjoyed being a mentor uh, to people and not just people who have been on my team working for me, uh, but also my peers, mm-hmm. right? So, a- as a lawyer in house, uh, the vast majority of people that I interact with on a daily basis—they're not lawyers, I like, thank God. Uh, <laughs> they're they're business people. They're product managers. They're in business development, marketing. They're in HR and benefits. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed sharing my knowledge about you know, the law or certain, um, you know, organizational structures or discussing risk factors. I always enjoyed doing that with other, with with business people Mm -hmm. Um, and and sort of teaching that. It's funny, I also, I had mentioned uh, maybe before uh, we started recording that um, I lived in Germany for a while. I actually, I I taught a business English class um, in Germany to these business students. And, and from then on, I just I love teaching. I love mm. answering questions. I love uh, being able to share whatever knowledge and experiences that I've accumulated over the mm-hmm. years with other people so they can benefit from that. And so it's, that's really all what office intelligence is about. Like like everybody else, I've made a hell of a lot of mistakes over the years. I've I think I've learned from most of them. Hopefully all, but definitely most of them. Um, and so, why not share those mistakes with others and share my learnings with others, so that they don't have to make them like mm-hmm. like, like I did. And so, mm-hmm. uh, if we can sort of collapse the time frame that it takes from somebody to get from you know entry level position to I don't know some leadership role or whatever that person wants to achieve, that that feels good for me. And yeah, it's also uh, an opportunity to to run a, a business. So that's, yeah. that's what I'm working on. Yeah,
0: it's helpful, I'm sure for people so many more people are trying their hand at business now or like you said, kind of doing different versions of entrepreneurship. So uh, maybe kind of a last question here is what's been what's been challenging to you getting into this space of entrepreneurship, Starting a business? What's been surprising or difficult about
2: it? Oh my gosh, it's so hard. Um, Well, so those are, yeah, a couple different questions, right? Surprising and and difficult. Um, What's been difficult about it is trying to figure out who my customer is exactly. Like I thought I knew, I still think I kind of know, but I had a good friend challenge me on this question. Um, and it turns out that, uh, he made me, uh, he made me, th- he made me think about this question <laughs> a lot harder than, than I otherwise would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also yeah, where one thing that I've learned so far, and I'm, I mean, it's we're still kind of in, in the infancy stages here, but one thing I've learned so far is that, and I don't know how widely applicable this is to other businesses, but for, for mine, what I'm learning is that what I originally thought was going to be a product or a service that was going to generate revenue for, for the business, it actually may not be that at all. That to me is a surprise. Yeah, um, That's so, a really
0: common one, by the way. Like, yeah. That is maybe one of the most common ones. I, I haven't seen any studies on this, but that is, that is so interesting that you say it like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we packaged these sort of these two inaugural courses. One is communicating effectively at work and the other is how to build a successful career. And they're they're these well-produced courses. Um they're, you know, we weave in uh animation, illustrations, motion graphics and and combine that with live action. Um so there, you know, there's a lot that goes on in not just production but post-production. And so I have these like shiny new courses that I'm working on marketing and promoting, hopefully selling access to. Uh, but in parallel, I've started developing uh these sort of short take videos, uh, you know, anywhere from let's say 10 to 15 minutes that, that are topical. Uh one, for example, is uh, discusses offer letters, right? So it's a contract. Most people don't think of, of an offer letter as a contract, uh, but it is. Um, and when somebody gets an offer letter from a prospective employer, what do they do? They, they look at it to make sure that the salary is there, right, it's written correctly, uh, their title is correct, maybe it'll say who they're reporting to, and then, oh yeah, there are benefits. Great. Where do I sign? Well, they skip over like eight or ten really important sections, and they either don't care to know what what uh, those sections are about, or they do. They read them and they don't fully understand them. But it's a job, maybe a well-paying job if they're if they're lucky, and they go ahead and sign. Not the best approach. You should know what you're signing before you sign it. So, just something like that. Um, I recorded a video and i'm going to record a lot more videos like that again topical posting them on our youtube channel and who knows maybe they'll get a lot of uh eyeballs and generate subscriptions to the channel and then what's associated hopefully with that is potentially ad revenue Mm -hmm. um and and yeah, then some other avenues that are just—I I, was—it was not top of mind. I was just yeah. thinking, okay, I'm going to build these courses. Right, gonna that's these it. Very <laughs> well produced, and that's where the revenue is going to come right. from. And yeah, I still hope that's going to be the case in in part or even large part, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm I'm very like excited to hear your full story. So thanks for sharing, kind of a bit of the beginning to end there because I know so many people find themselves bouncing around and think they're the only ones. And, uh, it was just kind of fun to hear a bit of your journey. Mm-hmm. One thing yeah. that
1: stands out to me before, um, you close is that you assessed some of your favorite skill sets throughout your career journey and brought them into where you were now. They were You were using them, but they weren't the main source of your day. They weren't the main part of your day. But you reflected back and said, those were the skill sets that made me feel the happiest or the most alive. And you brought them into where you are now. And I think that's an important thing for our listeners to hear, too, that it's important to reflect back on those. And remember that our journey is also about many, many, many different skill sets and which ones we pull out when and where are also interesting and part of the journey.
2: Totally agree. Yeah. Find out, obviously you you figure out what you're good at. Everybody is good at something. And then also if you can, if you can blend that with something that you enjoy, then that's it. And you don't have to, you know, try your hand at starting your own business. You can find a role that you're going to, a role at a a company. It could be a small organization. It could be a medium or a large organization, but you can absolutely find that role where you're going to thrive in it because you're good at what you do and you actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I I think generally speaking, only good things are going to happen as a result.
1: Mm -hmm. I was going to ask where people can find you.
2: Well, so for the business, they can go to officeintelligence.com.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they can see our course offerings there. They can uh, watch some uh, sample videos as well. Uh, and then, yeah, directly, they can email me at uh, jeff, J-E-F-F, at officeintelligence.com.
1: All right. Is that is your YouTube channel also the same as your title?
2: Uh, yeah, they just have to search for office intelligence on YouTube, and we're just building it out right now. So it's far from optimized. Got it. Got it. should be leave lots of comments. Yes. No, 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 no. Give me some time. Give me, give yeah. me a few months.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much.
0: It's fun talking thank with you, Jeff. Thank you yeah. so much for the time. Appreciate it. You bet.